This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. So let's get a little thermometer on the Philly fan base and bring in Joe Giglio on the Roman guest line. He's the co-host of BetQL Daily immediately after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. And you can hear him on WIP in Philadelphia weekday evening. So, Joe, what's it feel like in Philly now the Sixers are down Two games to nothing to the Heat. Yeah, it's not a great feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I would say, Chelsea and, and Jake, to, to the discussion of, of how the, the fan base uh, feels and, and how the emotions change, um, the, the way I, I've seen that what works Philadelphia over the years is it, it's never in the middle, ever. It, it is either fire and brimstone or it is euphoria. Like, with the Sixers win a playoff game or, or things are going well, like everyone convinced themselves they're going to win the title. And then in the minute they have a, a game or two, like they have out here in Miami, it is fire everyone, get Doc out, do not resign James Harden, blow the whole thing up. So that's kind of how it works within the fan base. But uh, right now, I mean, you, you understand why fans are frustrated with the way they played in Miami the first two games. So, Joe, are the Sixers cooked? And I'm not trying to be dramatic here. We're talking about dramatic fan bases, but it looks like a team that's just totally lost without Joel Embiid. And even if he does return in game three, he's going to be banged up, be it at his thumb or that broken eye socket. Yeah, I think they are cooked. I mean, the, the thought of them winning, even with Joel Embiid, four out of the next five, including a potential game seven in Miami, it's hard to believe. And it, it's funny because Joel has so many injuries all, all the time. They're like, we, we have a new one, and we forget the old one. Like, let, let's just say he could come back in game three, wear a mask, and, and function with the orbital bone fracture. Fine. And, and he might be able to do it. He's done it before. He still has a torn lug- ligament in his thumb. Like, he hasn't made a three-point right. shot since that injury happened. So, you factor that all in. I find it very hard to believe they come back and win this series. So, what do we expect from this next game in this series? Who's going to go off? Do the Sixers have a chance? And I think the crazy thing is the Sixers are favored in this one, minus one and a half. So how do you play this one? Yeah, I, I do think they have a chance. I mean, I, I think it tells you there's a real chance Embiid comes back and plays in the game. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe the week off helped his thumb a little bit so he has a little burst out of the gate before the reality of that torn ligament comes back to get him a little bit. But I, I do think you, you get a better effort out of the Sixers game. Three. I mean, Tyrese Baxter was great. Uh, in, in game two last night, so maybe that carries over. And the one thing about Miami is we'll, we'll see how they play things with all their guys that are banged up. Kyle Lowry still has to play in this series. Jimmy Butler clearly going through something with his knee. So, you know, we'll, we'll see the sense of urgency Miami has in a road game three, but I think that all kind of factors in to the Sixers. And if they get one, and, and right now if you ask me how this plays out, I'd say Heat and five, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's, uh, it's this one, game three for the Sixers. We're talking with Joe Gileo, co-host of BetQL Daily. Right after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. He's also on Twitter at Joe Gileo Sports. Joe, when you talk about Miami, how good is this Miami team? It's hard to gauge against a Sixers club that is clearly shorthanded, but we are talking about the number one seed in the East, and yet most of the focus, it seems like, is on the Bucs or the Celtics. Yeah, it, it's a great point. I mean, they're, they're very good. They're, they're deep. They're well-coached. They're tough. Like They're built for playoff basketball, and – the thing about them that I, I thought was overlooked heading into the postseason was their path. You know, I, I think it was pretty easy to see as the season was winding down. The Sixers had some issues. Uh, Boston had been amazing for two months, and, and the Bucks had Giannis. So you kind of played the bracket out, and you're like, man, this really worked out for, for, 
Miami because they'll get the Sixers or the Raptors in the second round. They're better than those teams. They'll have home court. And then, you know, this Boston-Milwaukee series could go seven and it could be a, kind of a drag-em-out fight, and we'll see who, who's standing who's healthy at the end. We already know Middleton is, is banged up and, and out for a while, and, and we'll see about Marcus Smart here. But Miami's going to be sitting there probably with rest and home court. I, I thought heading into the postseason they were a – uh, if not the the favorite, I understand why they weren't, but they were a wise bet if you wanted to back Miami because the path is, is pretty good for them. All right, Joe, we got to talk about the Eagles for a second because one of the bigger stories of the NFL draft is Philadelphia trading for A.J. Brown. And I was kind of scratching my head because I thought to myself, well, the Eagles were so much better when they committed to the run and they were a run-first offense, but now they spend a bunch of money on A.J. Brown. So how do you think this affects the Philly offense? Well, it obviously makes it better because they are just more talented now across the board on the offense because I think it slots everyone down, Chelsea, really where they belong. I like Devontae Smith, uh, the rookie receiver from last year. But if he's your number one, you know, your passing offense probably isn't going to be top ten in the league. If he's your number two, you've really got something there. So, so they have an add in Dallas Goddard to tight end. Obviously, a lot of this will be predicated on, on Jalen Hurts and how he develops into his third year in the NFL. But I, I thought there was a – kind of a sneaky other side to why the Eagles ran the football so much last year. Yes, they were inefficient throwing it early. Yes, Jalen had some struggles. But I also thought their defense was so bad, guys, that they had to realize, like, they had to keep that defense off the field. So it was kind of a double whammy where we're better at running anyway, and it will bleed the clock, less possessions. They added a lot on defense this offseason. Hassan Reddick, pass rusher, obviously the trade-up for Jordan Davis in the first round of the draft. So if the defense is better – I think it lends to the Eagles being a more balanced team, and I think they could play offense the way I think they want to, which is not to run the football every down. That just kind of became the best, best way to do it last year. Joe, we know how it is in the NFL, particularly quarterback, where your leash is only so long before a team says, okay, you're not getting it done. It's time to move on. If Jalen Hurts does not take that next step, is it time to move on for Philly? Yeah, and I think they're ready to do that uh, in terms of the assets they have. I mean, one of the trades they made this offseason was to move one of their three first-round picks back to next year, and they have the Saints' first-rounder. And I actually think the Saints, that's a good team to short because of their quarterback situation, because of the schedule next year. I can see the Saints having kind of a tough time next season. So, you know, they could have two solid picks. Now, there's two sides to this, Shanks. If, if the Eagles are good and they're picking in the 20s and Jalen Hurts plays well, well, he's the quarterback. And if he stinks, well, then they're probably going to have two top 15-ish picks. But I think it's interesting, the Hurts discussion, because there's been an assumption since they drafted him that he's not really their guy. And I, I just keep pointing out that actions speak louder than rumors. And rumors are there, and they're hedging, certainly with an extra draft pick. But, like, he's their quarterback and has been their quarterback now for the better part of two, yeah, now it's going to go on uh, a full season and a half, and, and now maybe two and a half seasons him being their quarterback. And the other part, and I'm sure you guys touched on it when the trade went down, and I didn't realize this. Like, they just traded for Jalen Hurts' best friend and gave him $100 million in A.J. Brown. I didn't know how close those guys were, and it seemed like uh, their relationship was a big part of why Brown uh, was willing to come to Philadelphia. So it, it's interesting watching a team kind of go and build around a quarterback while kind of having a parachute if he doesn't work out at the same time. Let's talk a little baseball because we have a good one today for the Phillies in the NL East. Facing off of the Mets, 18-9 and nine on the season, one of the better teams in baseball. But the Phillies have Aaron Nola going. So what's the play of Phillies-Mets today? Yeah, Nola's been pretty good against the Mets historically. He had a 10-strikeout game in City Field last year against the Mets. He pitched well against them last week. But the, the sort of the Phillies right now is they just can't get out of their own way. It's like 
if you look at uh, they're interesting. If you look at their numbers overall for the season, Chelsea, and, and it's like, all right, well, they're top ten in this, top ten in that, and it's not bad. And yet they sit here three games under five hundred. Uh, I think what seven, six or seven games back in the Mets heading into the series, and it's the same old story. They, they their defense still can't make any plays, and it's getting late for them early. I mean, there's got to be a sense of urgency on the Phillies today um, and this series because their schedule the rest of the month. I mean. If you guys are, are looking for an opportunity to buy futures, if you do like the Phillies, just wait three weeks because they're probably going to get beat up here. They play uh, nobody but the Mets, Braves, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, and Mariners for the next month. Like, it is as brutal of a schedule as I've seen anyone have for a four, three or four-week stretch. So, it's tough. They certainly could use some wins. I do like the pitching matchup today, though, uh, on their side, at least early, uh, Chelsea, with uh, Noel on the mound. We're talking with our friend Joe Giglio, co-host of BetQL Daily. Immediately after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. You can hear him on WIP in Philadelphia weekday evenings. Joe, when you look at baseball in particular, and I asked Chelsea this yesterday, I'm not quite sure there's a right answer, but at what point in the season do you say this is kind of how a team is, this is who they are, and or is it too early to do that just yet? And, and we also see teams sometimes after the All-Star break and, and they go nuts. Is there a point, a tipping point in the season where you say, okay, this this is who this team is. Yeah, it's a great question, and I, I think there's two answers to it. I think for players, it's sooner than it is later. Like you know, we're around that point with with offensive players, with batters. You know, 100 plate appearances, you get you kind of get a gauge of of how they are and what they're doing. It doesn't mean a hot streak can't happen, but I think you get a gauge. But for teams, I do wait a little longer. Teams could change. A, a player or two could get called up. An injury could happen. Trades start to happen. So I, I do think it, it's we could give teams a little bit more time because it's such a long season. But players, I do think early on, you kind of get a sense of the kind of year they're having. And, and you could rope those two things together because if, if three or four players on a team are, are really looking like they're going the wrong direction, that team might be going the wrong direction as well. Joe, before we let you go, are there any other plays on the slate tonight that you particularly like? You know what? My, my favorite play so far, uh, and I, I saw this heading into the NHL postseason. I'm going to talk to the NHL, but I'll throw this at you. Um, over the last five years, if the total of a, a, a NHL postseason hockey game is five and a half, if you just blind bet five and a half or over, right, so five and a half or higher, if you just blind bet the under, you win 57% of the time. And, and we get some higher scoring games early, but generally as we go through, it will play out where the under, if it's five and a half or higher, the total five and a half, six, six and a half, whatever, uh, you will hit on that. So I'll, I'll, I'll be looking for the right under in the NHL tonight. Yeah, I think Jenks has been on that because the defense is usually better in the playoffs and those games play a little bit tighter. Great insight as always from Joe Giglio. He's the co-host of BetQL Daily. Immediately after us with Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. Joe, thanks for waking up with us this morning. You got it, guys. Talk next week. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.